0: Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you are new to our church, you might think that the balloons are an honour of, uh, of the baby dedication, but that would not be true. The balloons are in honour of four people coming to know the Lord, um, so there was two youth who came to know the Lord at Collide a couple of weeks back, and then another two youth where Shannon just felt like she should share the gospel and, uh, to the youth group, and another two people came to know the Lord. And so we're celebrating four people who the angels are also celebrating that they've come into the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> that is very cool. I am so thankful for that. Well, if you have your Bibles or smartphones or tablets and want to follow along, we're looking at the church of Laodicea, and it's found in the scripture passage that was just read, Revelations chapter, four, or chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Have you ever had a friend or a family member with whom you've had to do an intervention? A while back, a, a guy I knew uh, had a wife and three daughters. They were all Christians, but the Wife's behavior over time was growing increasingly more difficult to tolerate. She was saying hurtful things to her husband. She was saying hurtful things to her daughter, daughters. She was getting harder and harder to live with and generally just miserable to be around. Crazy thing is, is that, well, she couldn't see it. Um, she thought that that's just the way um, life is normally. Her reality wasn't what everybody else was feeling. My friend was getting pretty low and was figuring that, well, he, he might have to, to leave her. Then the oldest daughter took uh, some medical training and she told her dad that what, what mom's suffering from is depression. Um, the whole family did an intervention and, uh, and told this woman that you need to get some help. Well... Because her whole family was seeing it, even though she couldn't see it, um, she did go and get some help, and she got on some medication, and the difference was night and day. See, the intervention made all the difference in the world because sometimes you just can't see things the way they really are. Interventions often happen when someone has a drinking problem and they don't see the problem. Everyone else knows there's a problem, but they don't see the problem. Uh, Sometimes interventions happen with drug addictions, gambling problems. The person with the problem is in denial of reality. don't know if you've ever seen people deny the reality, but this is what was going on in the church of Laodicea. See, Laodicea was was a rich church made up of wealthy people. You see, the, the church, uh, the, the city of Laodicea was, was founded on the textile industry. They made clothes, and, and these clothes were traded all around the Roman Empire. And just outside the city, there was a, a place where you could collect ingredients for this eye salve. And the, the salve was, was sought after. The city had the ingredients, and they had the recipe, and it made the city rich made the church rich. We've been working our way through the churches in Revelation. We've come to the last one today, the church of Laodicea, and we've seen in many other parts of Asia um, that that the church was impoverished, that they were persecuted. But somehow Laodicea, the church there had managed to acquire social status. They had money. They were rich. Revelation 3, verse 17. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. I, I, I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. I counsel to you uh, to buy for me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. That's what Jesus is doing. He's turning what was happening into the city and turning the spotlight into on their soul, you say I'm rich. Maybe you remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus. At the end of the conversation, here's what, what Jesus says. He says in Luke chapter 18, verse 24: Look, Jesus said to him, and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, well, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's actually impossible without God's help. But our God is the God of the impossible. One of the reasons why it's so hard for, for those who are rich... And by the way, most of us would fall into that category if you would take a look around the world. One of the reasons why it's it's difficult is that riches have a way of distorting reality. They especially distort our view of spiritual reality. That's what's happening in the Laodicean church. Now Jesus is doing an intervention. He's speaking to them. Now, most sermons that you will hear on this church, uh, focusing on verses 15 and 16, I know your deeds, uh, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold, hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Um, That's such a visceral image, right? I thought about getting a glass of wine, but I, I, I like our custodians here, and I wouldn't want them to clean that. But, yeah, it's kind of like tap of tea. It's like, yeah, yuck. I, I wish you were either one or the other. Jesus had a bad taste in his mouth. That's not the image I want to focus on today. I'd rather, come with me to verse 19. Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be interested to repent. Here I am, I'm standing at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Many of you probably know that there are three Greek words for love, right? There's eros from where we get the word erotic. There is philos, which is uh, a companionship kind of love. Uh, It's a brotherly, sisterly kind of love. And then there is agape, which is the love of commitment. I'm, I'm going to do what is in your best interest, whether or not you respond. Agape love, I'm going to do what is in your best interest, whether or not you respond, is the kind of love that's expressed in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's the kind of love that's expressed in, in, in the chapter on love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily anchored, keeps no records of wrongs. But it's not the word for love that's used here. Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. The word here is philos. The love of friendship the love of companionship, the love between a brother and a sister, or brothers or sisters, Jesus is saying, those who who I'm friends with, um, uh, those who I'm friends with, I'll I'll rebuke and discipline. He's saying, I'm your friend, and so I'm going to do an Intervention. Your friend, so I'm going to talk straight to you. I care about you enough not to let you keep on doing what you're doing. You're my friend. Because of that, I'm telling it the way it is. I love your friend. Question is do you want to be my friend? Um, right now, our our friendship so bad that yeah, I want to spew you out of my mouth. Like, I mean, it just it, it's not tasting good. My our friendship, it's not working. Come with me to verse 14, the start of the the talk to, to the Laodicean church. Look how Jesus introduces himself. Remember, he always introduces himself in a way that uh, the church needs to hear. To the angel in the church in Laodicea, write these are the words of the Amen. Uh, The faithful and true witness. The ruler of God's creation. Jesus reveals himself as the Amen. In in Isaiah chapter 61, or 65, verse 16, God reveals himself as the the God of truth. The actual words that are used there is the God of the Amen. Um, We use Amen kind of to end our prayers, like um, a spiritual goodbye, see you later, God. But... uh, we just kind of use it as a punctuation mark to let Jesus know that we're finished talking to him. What the the word really means is, I guarantee what I said is true. So when you pray, Lord, I want to be like you, amen, you're saying, it's really true of me, Lord. You're saying, God, I want to be like you. So when Jesus in verse 14 says, he is the amen, he's saying, I am true. And I want to guarantee that I am truthful. And what I'm going to say is truthful. And this should not surprise us because he's already told us he's the way, the truth, and the life. So when he speaks to the Laodicean church, he wants to emphasize this, though, and he says, I want you to hear it. I'm guaranteeing you whether what I'm telling you is truth. And to reinforce it, he says, I am the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I'm the one that's overall, but I'm truthful and I'm, I'm, I'm faithful, I've been a faithful friend to you, really have. reason why people need an intervention is that, well, they're in denial about the truth. I'm not an alcoholic, I'm not a gambling addict, I can stop any time I want. People in Laodicea were in denial about the truth of their spiritual impoverishment. They're saying we, we're, we are rich and we do not need a thing. Jesus says you don't realize that you're wretched and poor and miserable and blind and naked. I think one of the things that is the easiest for us to be in denial about is the state of our soul. And that's especially true when life is good. Things are good. We don't see how sick our soul is. It's even easier when we have the means to distract our soul to death. But Jesus isn't distracted by our outward life. He sees the state of our soul. If we ask him, he'll tell us about our hearts. If we'll listen, he'll tell us about what it's like on the inside. If there is a place that's unhealthy. He is willing to step into that. If your relationship is distant, he'll invite you closer. Here's what he says. Here I am, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him, that person and they with me. Remember that he's talking about friendship. Those who I love, those who I feel off, those who are my friends, I I rebuke and discipline. Why? Because I want the very best for you, my friends. I want the very best. And I will remind you that Jesus is talking to Christians here. He's talking to people who have already given their lives to Jesus, they've received Him into their lives. These were people who were in the church. They were people like, well, people like you and me, right? And Jesus is asking, Do you want to be my friend? There's a well-known painting um, that hung in the Sunday school area of the church that I grew up in. And uh, it's depicting this verse of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Curious thing about this painting is that the door has no latch on the outside. It could only be opened from the inside. Jesus has two criteria for his friendship. Verse 20 again, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Verse is, if you hear my voice. So not only is he knocking on the door, but he's calling out and saying, my friend, will you come to the door and will you let me in? Linda and I don't have a very big house, and so we don't have doorbells on on our doors. If you come and you knock on the door, We'll hear you, unless one of us is gone and the other one has iPods in their ears, (laughs) and we're listening to music and we're just bopping around. And in that case, you're knocking and we're not hearing. Suspect that there's many of us who have iPods in the ears of our soul. The noise is so loud; we get so distracted. And there's always stuff going on, and if there's not enough drama in the world, there's drama in our own life. And Jesus is walking. He says, "I stand." That's a—it's a perfect tense. That means I've come, and I'm stand, and I, I'm continuing to stand, and I'm knocking. That's why it's important to quiet your soul regularly. It's important to sit. Just breathe. Turn everything off and be quiet. And listen. Lord, is there something you want to say? Second criteria for friendship is that you need to open the door. Notice it is that you that needs to open the door. There is no latch on the outside. And Jesus never forces his way in. I tend to be a little messy. Well, Linda would say that's a real understatement. Okay. I tend to be a lot messy. We have uh, two messy kids. And when our kids were growing up, our house was sometimes a disaster zone. Um, And then you would hear the knock at the door. I know my thought process at the moment. Do I really want to answer it? The dishes are on the counter, there's toys spewed all over the floor, there's clothes tossed everywhere. I'm sure none of you have ever had that, but uh, I've had that. Worse than that, I've been there spiritually. You hear the knock on your soul and you peer around the curtain, and you see it's Jesus. Then you glance over your shoulder at the state of your soul and there's this unconfessed sin that's sitting over in the corner and it's, uh, it's a little rank, but you really don't want to deal with it. It's not now. I know I'm going to have to get to it, but not now. Um, in fact, there's all kinds of things that you know you should have dealt with but haven't. And if Jesus wants to go into the kitchen, ooh, or the closet's worse just not good. But Jesus didn't say, if you open the door and your house is clean, then I'll come in. That's not what he said. He said, if you open the door, I'll come in. I'll take the state of your soul just as it is. Linda and I have a friend named Caroline she has an amazing gift of hospitality. When she attended our church, she was doing a medical residency. And, but almost every Sunday after church, she would, she would invite a group of people home, home to church. The thing about Caroline, though, was that she was one of these messy people. Um, her apartment, it was a disaster zone even by my standards. Um, <laughs> but that didn't stop her from inviting us over. We had some wonderful fellowship around her table. If your soul is messy, be like Caroline. Invite Jesus in anyways. He says, if you come in, if he'll eat with you and you with him. Eating together in the Middle East, especially the way it's phrased here, sign of friendship. We're going we're gonna to eat together. We're going to fellowship together. The Laodiceans were rich in goods and poor in soul, and they thought they were doing all right, but Jesus said, can't let you just look at the the outside. You need to look inside. Notice what he says. Let's go back to verse 17. You say I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Catch this next phrase. I counsel you, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. He's asking to come in, and they're in a sad state, but he's asking to come in because he he wants their soul to prosper like their bank accounts have prospered. And the only way for that to happen is to spend time hanging out with Jesus. I counsel you. That meal that you're sitting around the table with may turn into a counseling session. Have you looked at that item in your life that you've been ignoring? Have you considered that this is where you need to put your effort right now because... You know, you need to make some spiritual coin. You need to get some spiritual clothes. But all of that comes out of relationship. The purpose of the gospel is relationship with God. I grew up, I thought, when I was young, I thought, well, the purpose of the gospel is to get us into heaven. Then I thought, well, the purpose of the gospel is to get our sins forgiven. The purpose of the gospel is to make me good or to help me follow the rules. Um, And the gospel helps with that. But the main purpose of the gospel is that you would walk into this relationship with Jesus, that he would be a friend to you and that you would be a friend to him. He says, I love you and I'm your friend, and I, I'm, I'm faithful, and I'm loyal, and I'm true. Do you want to be mine? If you don't know how to pursue your relationship with God, I invite you to take uh, some of the discipleship courses that will be happening next year. But what you need to do is spend some time quiet. Say, Lord, I don't like what I see when I look inside, but I invite you in. What do you want to say to me? Open your life up to him and he'll speak. Be in the word of God and he'll speak. Allow him to to, um, speak into what you need. And here's the thing about the Lord that I found is that he doesn't ask you to do everything at once. Sometimes you take a look at the state of your soul and you think, there's so much that I need. I'm really messed up. But he's not going to ask you to change everything at once. He says, okay, yeah. Let me counsel you. Let me walk this one step at a time. Let me take you to the next step. See that stuff that smells in the corner? Maybe that's the first place we should start, right? Yeah. Confess that and repent. Toss it out the door. I take it and I've got this divine garbage can that makes it disappear as far as yeast is from the rest. If Jesus was to knock on the uh, door of your soul, would you be quiet enough to hear him? And if you hear him, are you willing to let him in? question all of us have to ask, and not once for all. You need to ask regularly until Jesus just hangs out with us and we're just in constant conversation about where we're at. Can you imagine getting up in the morning and having breakfast with Jesus. Can you imagine a church filled with people who are getting up in the morning and hearing what Jesus said and then we're sharing it back and forth with each other? Hey, you know, this is what I've been learning. Uh, This is what, what I've been teaching. Yeah, this is what Jesus is teaching me. That is what life is meant to be, walking in relationship with the Lord and with each other. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Lord Jesus, we invite you to come. Thank you for being our friend. Lord, speak for myself, and I know I speak for many here. We want to be your friend. Lord, thank you that you are so faithful that even in the state of our soul, when it's messy, you don't wait for us to clean up. You just say, let me in. Let us talk together. So I'm asking, Lord, that in this time, you would speak to us. In these few moments of quiet, Lord, we invite you to come. Is there any first steps that we need to take? Lord, we do give thanks I ask that we would not take this as information and be dismissed, but that we would pursue a friendship with you uh, just as you are drawing near to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page. Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.